0: Open source policy has become a business issue as well as a political one. Businesses like Elastic, MongoDB, The Company, and Redis Labs have started to view the open source licenses of the projects they work on as a means for business defensibility against cloud providers offering similar services. It remains to be seen how viable this strategy will be for the commercial open source vendors. Companies that do not directly sell commercial open source are also grappling with questions around open source licensing. Facebook has become a force in the open source world through projects like React and GraphQL. Facebook leads these projects, but Facebook is not monetizing them, other than to the extent that they use the projects to build Facebook.com. Facebook's incentives are aligned with the rest of the industry on the quality of GraphQL and React... Proper licensing can help Facebook keep those incentives in alignment. Joel Marcy, Michael Chang, and Kathy Kam from Facebook join me for a discussion of the state of open-source licensing and how that impacts Facebook. A few brief updates to Software Engineering Daily land. Podsheets is our open-source set of tools for managing podcasts and podcast businesses. We have a new version of Software Daily, our app and ad-free subscription service. Actually, the app is getting worked on. The website has been rolled out at softwaredaily.com. We'd love your feedback. We'd love any bugs you're having with the apps. I know the apps have their bugs, but uh, we're working to improve them. Software Daily is also looking for help with Android engineering, QA, machine learning, and more. The links for all of this are in the show notes. And the Find Collabs hackathon has ended. The winners of the Find Collabs Hackathon will probably be announced by the time that this episode airs. We will also be announcing our next hackathon in a few weeks, so stay tuned. Again, the links to all of these details from Podsheets to Find Collabs are in the show notes for this episode. Joel Marcy, Michael Chang, and Kathy Cam. You all work on open source at Facebook. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having us, Jeff.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Jeff.
0: So to start off, I'd like to set some context for how open source happens at Facebook. Facebook is a unique product. It's a massive social networking company. There's lots of decisions to make around internal tooling and I think some internal tools that get built turn into open source projects, other ones do not. Explain how internal tools get built at Facebook and why some of them evolve into open source projects.
2: So I think it's good to go and talk about sort of the history a little bit of how this came, you know, open source came to be at Facebook, right? So Facebook has always had open source in its culture, right? Ever since the beginning, you know, 2004, Zuck's in his dorm room creating the first version of Facebook using LAMP, you know, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP. So we've always, we've always had that in our sort of in our blood. So what I always tell people is like, we try to find reasons not to open source something versus trying to find reasons to open source any project. So we generally, if we feel like a project would be beneficial to the community and we feel like it would, you know, maybe... Start a new technology trend or you know improve existing technology those are the types of reasons we would we would give to like open source any given project so you know react is an example of of something that you know came out um, we developed internally for a specific reason, but we decided that hey, this is kind of a new framework that actually could shake up the industry and it did so we we definitely look for reasons to you know To not, you know, we try to find reasons not to open source something and we generally don't come up with a lot of those. So we generally try to open source as many projects as we possibly can.
0: And the reason that or one reason that large tech companies like Facebook would open source something is because if you if you have something that is critical infrastructure or it's very useful within Facebook and you believe that this could be critical infrastructure for other companies then by open sourcing it, you're getting out ahead of the curve and you're saying, here's something we use internally and we're going to uh, kind of manifest this community around this project and therefore, you know, there's, there is a sense of self-interest within it. It's a positive sum action, but but it can gain a lot from from Facebook's point of view. And I think it, it actually makes further sense because in many ways, Facebook or a company like Facebook is ahead of the curve in terms of problems that the rest of the industry may see in 5 to 10 years. What are some of the engineering problems that Facebook has been ahead of the curve on, maybe seeing things in engineering communications or continuous delivery or problems with JavaScript? What kinds of things has Facebook seen before the rest of the industry?
1: I think one of the things we see a lot, I mean, at our scale, we have one of the largest kind of mobile app there is. So we think a lot about scaling performance and to ensure that the Facebook experience is great. So uh, we actually see a lot of kind of issues in the different platforms, iOS and Android, that we see before most people do. And we have a lot of learnings and we investigate on how to mitigate some of these. And that's something we would love to share to the broader ecosystem.
2: Yeah. And you can imagine like if we, there's probably a bunch of open source projects that we could consider using, right? For many different problems that we have. But a lot of those don't, we find maybe sometimes a lot of those don't scale, right? To what we need as a company with billions of users and people using all, you know, using all of our apps. And so, you know, we can either like fork those projects and try to work that way, or we can try to come up with ways to determine, if, is there a better way to accomplish something given the scale that we actually need for our business? So it's a lot of, you know, we have a big user base, a lot of apps, and what what's out there that can help us um, accomplish our goals. And if there's nothing out there, what can we do to actually create some new technology to help us.
3: Yeah, I think we've traditionally seen open source as a way to share share our learnings and share share our our sort of most difficult trials and tribulations that we've had to deal with as a company, right? And so in the beginning stages of our growth it was it was scale as as Joel and Kathy mentioned. And so sharing our framework, sharing how we've solved those problems has in our sense, you know, from our perspective, it, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. And that has made, to your earlier question of what we decide to open source and what we don't decide to open source, we're not looking to sell infrastructure as a stack, as a service, right? We don't have like a public, public cloud offering, right? So it's a lot easier. Those decisions as to, you know, because because we're not looking to make money off of infrastructure in the same way that some other companies might might consider. So those decisions are a lot easier for us, right? And then going into the future as our company pivots towards privacy as our company pivots to solving the more more challenging issues of the day we expect that our engineers will also be be asked to to create novel solutions to those and hopefully open source will be could be one of the ways that we we share our solutions to some of the, some of the more difficult problems that that I think everyone in the ecosystem is facing
0: indeed it'll be interesting to watch the open source projects that come out of that pivot Kathy, you were working on externally facing developer tools at Google for almost five years before joining Facebook. How does Google's culture around building external tools compare to that of Facebook?
1: I think the two companies are very similar in many ways. They're kind of top engineers working on difficult problems around scale. And open source is kind of equally part of the DNA of both companies. So coming here, I I feel right at home and really enjoyed the collaboration here at Facebook.
0: Michael, you work on open source licensing policy at Facebook, which is not exactly what is a conversation I've had on Software Engineering Daily in detail. So maybe we could do another show in the future. It'd It'd be fun to go deep on that subject. Describe what you do on an average day.
3: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of big buckets. The first big big bucket is is making sure our engineers know how to use open source for internal development of our products and platforms, right? So that's basically the entire universe of of knowledge with respect to that bucket is MIT, BSD, OK? and you have to think a little harder about some of the other licenses. Apache is probably okay and and for internal development a lot of a lot of even copyleft licenses are probably okay given that we we don't we don't ship as much software like in a distributed format, you know, like an app or or we don't have as many apps and have as many like, you know, PC or Mac applications as some of some other companies do. And so so that's the first bucket, making sure we're using open source uh, correctly and properly in a way that that complies with the license requirements and and also helps us move fast. The second bucket has to do with helping Kathy and Joel on the in the Program Alpha side, and so you know, open sourcing anything is is kind of like giving giving something away. Um, it's kind of like giving a piece of property away, and it just it just requires figuring out from a consensus perspective, you know, making sure that everyone is aligned uh, that that this is the sort of right thing to do. And so, a lot of times, I will help Kathy and Joel figure out sort of figure out what kind of other sort of legal issues might come about as a result of that and also sort of making sure that all the stakeholders are looped in. And so that's probably the second big bucket. Uh, the third kind of thing that, the, that my team also works on is we also work with other companies to ensure that uh, all of us are, you know, we're all thinking about open source. We're all thinking about open source in a sort of thoughtful and and responsible manner from the perspective of, of of the community and and from the perspective of collective action in, in making sure that we're all doing the right things by the community, and so one of the things that that involves is often kind of speaking out and taking positions on controversial topics that are that that have legal implications. I spoke at FOSDOM earlier this year about some of the strange licenses that have come out, um, some of the the, the controversies around. Mongo and other companies relicensing their uh, what are you know originally you know open source projects to to other licenses that people haven't seen before and so so I think increasingly we 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 are looking to become uh, more active in the community and making sure that we are doing our part to ensure that the ecosystem is safe and that the values and the principles of open source continue to be reflected in in like the day to day actions of what people are doing.
0: Let's talk about that in in a little more detail. The licensing changes that some company companies have made as a defense to cloud providers productizing the same open source project that a a company like a MongoDB or an Elastic is based on, and so this is this is kind of an interesting topic because it comes down to the roots of open source as well as the sustainability of open source. Can you just give me a lay of the land for how you see the changes to the licensing world in open source today and and maybe your your subjective views on what is right and what is wrong?
3: Yeah, I think I would that's a great question, Jeff. I would start off by saying that I'm I actually don't like to start off the conversation with with this idea of right or wrong. I think open source means very, very different things to all of us. And what I've seen folks do, especially around the discussion of MongoDB's license, which is the, called the SSPL, is they've really gone off into their corners and started like, you know, throwing some sort of zealotry at each other, right? And if open source means different things to all of us based on our personal narratives, then it's, it's really difficult for us to agree on what the definition of open source is. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, everyone... Who's having this debate? No matter how sort of frustrated they are with one another, we we have more in common with with one another than we than with somebody who who just wants to keep all software closed, right? And doesn't want to give anything <coughs> away. Like right? like those people, I think, are very very different from us. And, and I think it's important to start off by reminding ourselves that we we started off on this path together, right? But but that being said, I think there's a question. So this all started with with the the, the rise of open core, which is this idea that. Part of the software will be will be closed source and part of the software will be open source. And the, the part of the software that is open source that the companies will use to get adoption, to get users, to get contributions, and the, then companies will then make money off of the part that's closed source. How I see the problem, and these are my own views, and, and of course not those of, of my employer or, or the company, is that... When folks started out this business model, they made a decision as to what proportion, of op- what proportion of the stack they want to make open source and what proportion of the stack they want to make closed source. And they thought that that proportion would lead to, you know, lead to lead to dollar signs or lead to a, like a successful revenue model. Right. Or and that may not necessarily. And as 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 industries change, as industries are disrupted, that equation actually changes over time right and so i think what mongo and others have figured out is that they actually want to you know they actually the the things that they thought they wanted to open source they may not and they will actually want to close source that and so taking that to its natural conclusion i think at the end of the day a lot of this relicensing sort of you know sort of controversy has to do with folks Making an initial business decision about what they, what they think will make them money, and then deciding to change their mind, right, and then changing the license. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. When you think of, when you look at Mongo, and you know, so Mongo specifically, they they blamed big cloud providers for their p- current predicament, and big cloud providers who 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 take take their code, offer it as a service deep within their stack, and then don't contribute anything back in return, right? You know, that's. If you actually go and take a look at the top committers and the top contributors to the Mongo stack on GitHub, almost all of them are Mongo employees. Mongo actually doesn't want, I, I, you know, the, the, my sense is that Mongo doesn't necessarily want that many contributions because it wants to be able to pick which features go in the closed stack and which features go in the open stack. And so I'm not sure how much cloud providers are actually to blame for wrongdoing or, or, or if they have done anything wrong at all. I think it really does just come down to to changing dynamics, changing landscapes in with the rise of big with the rise of public cloud and the ability or inability to adapt to it.
0: It's such a great summary of the landscape right now. And you know, I, I guess I when I said right or wrong, I share your lack of wanting to deliver a value judgment over uh, this in, in terms of a morality kind of thing because I, I don't really I don't really think that's the terms that are we need. We even need to to discuss this in. I think even from a strategic point of view, it, this is kind of a dubious decision. And and Joel and Kathy, I'd really like your perspective on this because the way I see it, as somebody who has developed software, and I'm I'm not even I haven't spent that much time in the software industry. Like five, well, I guess five or six years. That's probably more than a lot of people listening, but but less than a lot of people listening as well. I have a sense of the ethos of open source. And this doesn't really, like, jive with me, you know, if, if you will. Uh, it's almost like kind of a religious sensibility, like, th- that you develop for what open source is, you know, even just from, from interacting with open source software. And the thing is, like, what I suspect is that a lot of people who join these companies who are the best engineers at places like Elastic or Mongo, they also have a certain sensibility for what open source is. And when somebody higher up changes the strategy and therefore changes the license and therefore, you know, kind of dilutes the purity of the open source branding of the company, it's really dangerous for your kind of engineering, I guess, excitement for working at that company. I don't know. What's what's your perspective, Joel and Kathy? So I kind of look at this maybe a, at a more
2: idealistic or simplistic view than maybe Michael does or, or some other folks is that folks that come to Facebook or any other big company that they, they just want to work on open source, right? They, they want to share their contributions t- to the world and they really don't want licenses to get in the way of that. So, I feel like sometimes that these arguments are more, I don't know, Maybe it's the wrong word, maybe more theoretical than, like, practical for the folks that actually want to – that are actually doing the work of contributing to these projects. So, like, I know at at Facebook, you know, we're trying to be more um, cognizant on the type of licenses that we put on our projects. For example, we know that, like, MIT and BSD are very, you know – recognized and popular licenses to use across all open source projects. And I think that's a really good way to go. I don't think that engineers in general want to get into the minutiae of worrying about, you know, can I, can I use, can someone use my code um, legally or not? You know, they just want people to actually use it. Or can I use someone else's piece of code? Or can I get inspired by their code to like, you know, help my project out? I think it's more like they want to have that sort of sharing mechanism uh, across the projects. So um, engineers are definitely, I think, definitely look at it a lot different ways than, you know, maybe folks in the legal department at various companies.
1: And I think this is where uh, our team comes into play. We are kind of the interface between the engineers and the legal department to help guide and provide guidance. Like Joe said, the engineers just want to collaborate and get the work done. They honestly don't know all the details until it's bad for them, like until it blocks them from being able to do something they don't really care or want, even really want to know the details. So the key here is that um, having a team like the our team, which is the Open Source Policy Office team, where we handhold and guide these projects and making sure that their goals is met with the correct legal kind of contract and ensuring everyone can collaborate and just focus on the technology.
2: I want to just add too that, like, you know, since Michael's here, you know, he's been very invaluable in trying to, you know, change that type of culture um, that you know exists at the company about, you know, allowing engineers to have the freedom to contribute to open source, to bring in open source, and those sorts of things. So, I feel like at our company in particular, we're 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 moving in the in definitely in the right direction when it comes to um, how we how engineers perceive
3: open source. Thank you, Joel.
0: Yeah, sure. I'd really like to do a show at some point about kind of the strategic wisdom of of these this decision because I, you know, the the way you know I've talked to, to well I've talked to some people who who have knowledge of of these companies and I think they really just feel boxed in by the cloud providers. And I'm just surprised at that because, like, come on, you're an innovative software company. Can't you figure out, like, an innovative piece of software to build to get you out of this mess rather than change the license? It's just kind of, I don't know.
3: But that's that's for a different show. I can't say, Jeff, that I can't give you too many details about this, but there are, there are discussions with the cloud providers going on right now. There are projects spinning up where, let's just say for Mongo specifically, we the cloud providers and again i i don't know i'm not sure if there's sufficient leverage enough to get them to do this but but the plan is to have them expose the mongo the, their mongo version of the service to mongo to allow mongo to to extract revenue from within the cloud stack that's kind of a cool compromise yeah i think that's that's the most logical and natural compromise that that we think but it's kind of frustrated by like we talked about these initial claims the initial missiles that these companies threw at public cloud providers where, which frankly, as I talked about before, I, I'm not sure what we entirely fair. Right. And so that, that kind of muddies the water a little bit when you throw these claims of unfairness and all this stuff oh, yeah. around. Right. And to bring them onto the table. Right. That's not a, like a great place to start a conversation. And of course, like as a practical matter, like what leverage do these companies have right at this point? Right. So it's market disruption That's a lot of market disruption that's happening right now, and I'm hoping that we can come to some kind of some kind of solution that doesn't involve everyone going going proprietary, right?
0: Yeah, and and just to the point of, I really shouldn't go down the rabbit hole on this one because I want to talk about Facebook, but just to the point of of you know what what leverage do they have? I mean, what leverage did Amazon have when they started AWS? It's like a new, it was a totally new, innovative business that Amazon stood up from scratch, essentially from scratch. And has provided massive value to the entire world, not just the software world. The entire world has benefited from AWS, and these some of these open source businesses have, these commercial open source businesses have the gall to basically assert uh, moral superiority over big bad Amazon. It's just kind of a it's not a good look. <laughs> okay, anyway, Facebook. So. One question I have one fundamental question I have around a company like Facebook or this this also extends to a company like Netflix. you know basically Facebook or Netflix, their market dominance is not necessarily due to like the software that they're running, right? like facebook has has a, a really great newsfeed product. it has a really great, Uh, you know, video playing product, you know, so does Netflix, etc. But really, like, the value of the company is kind of in, you know, the operational cadence and the network effects, etc. Kind of, it's in the database. The value is in the database rather than in the code base. I mean, arguably, you know, you could say there's, there's even more of a moat by virtue of the code base, but you could make the equivalent argument that maybe we should just open source everything except for the database layer like the actual contents of the database so you know to what extent like you know you have you have that argument on one end that's kind of like the linux argument versus like kind of the polar opposite end which is like i don't know maybe the oracle argument and today facebook sits somewhere in the middle what's the natural i guess you know how extreme can you get in terms of your open source of facebook So just if I understand your question, I actually
2: think Facebook might be towards that initial end you were talking about, like, why don't you just sort of open source everything but the database? So obviously, we're not open sourcing like data, (laughs) you know, user data and stuff like that, obviously. And there's, you know, certain key elements that every business you know, has that they just can't open source because it's just business proprietary things. But I think in general, like Facebook as a company, we do open source a lot of things from the top of the stack to the bottom of the stack. We have, a, we open source data, you know, database like RocksDB, MySQL. I mean, you know, parts of MySQL, those sorts of things we... um you know, obviously, open source UI, you know, at the, at the UI end. And so I feel like we're at the point of not in the middle. We're more towards the end that you were speaking about, you know, why not open source everything? We don't do everything, but we do most things. And I think we're going to continue to do that, you know, obviously with ver- various caveats of things that we just, you know, we're
3: just aren't, aren't able to open source. I think that's right, Joel. I think we probably open source as much as as we can. And as much as we feel, you know, I think that the bandwidth, so open source also, as, as you know, it, it it's not, it's not something we just throw over the wall and forget about um, open source is also something we, we have to maintain. We have to sort of actively sort of nurture the community for and things like that. Yeah. And so, so I think, I think it's, you know, when we think about open source, like there are certain things that there are projects that have come across our desk, which we've like, like, yeah, we could open source this, but is it really that interesting enough for the community to mm-hmm. see all that? And then would, do, we, do we also want to commit to, If it's not that interesting in the community, do we want to commit manpower to it? And so, so yeah. I,
1: I think this kind of highlights the two different types of open source we do at Facebook. And Joel and I have talked a lot about this. Uh, one type is where we are open sourcing as a reference so people can see the code. Uh, We do a lot of that in our AI and ML work, where we have some papers, and we really want people to see the code, but we're not necessarily interested in a community behind some of these uh, smaller open source projects. Then there are the big ones, the big ones like Buck and PyTorch and React Native and React that we really want to build a community around, and we want to put the resources in. So when an open source project comes through our desk, that's one of the first question we ask is, what are your goals in open sourcing? And whether we have the kind of manpower to achieve this goal? And if we don't, how do we mitigate it? Or whether open sourcing is really the right thing to do?
0: Yeah, this is alluding to the fact that, you know, closed source software is sometimes not just about, like, oh, this is my proprietary moat. It's sometimes about Look, we want to build software at a reasonable pace. And if we open source everything, there's going to be so many, like, security vulnerabilities that are going to be exposed and, like, back doors and, like, things that people would just not even think of if, like, vulnerabilities that people would not even think of, you know, unless... Unless the project was open source. And also, you know, it's sometimes to, to the point of the like how much manpower or, or human power, I should say, do we need to put behind this open source project? You know, you think about something like like Google Borg. I don't know the exact details of why they didn't open source Borg but it had something to do with the fact that borg was so tightly coupled to internal google systems that if they were to just open source borg it's kind of like you know if you if you to make that actually useful they would have to open source everything in google because it's so tightly coupled to everything yeah we
2: actually run into similar issues with things that we open source for example like Kathy mentioned Buck, right? We, you know, we open source Buck as a, as a build tool that we think the community would be able to benefit from, but we also have, you know, internal uses of Buck that would not make any sense to open source, right? They, it, it, it the community wouldn't get any value from it, so it's a game of you know open source what you can and don't open source what doesn't need to be open sourced. But you know, in general, like if we feel that a technology or a project will have some value um, to the community, that we will try to open source. All of it, or as much of it as possible, so that the you know that the community could benefit from it, but then doesn't get confused as to why like some things aren't working like they might work inside the company because we have certain systems or in, or internal uses of a project that that can't be um, utilized externally.
0: What else goes into the process of of making a a, a piece of software at Facebook that's kind of internally coupled? Uh, what goes into the process of baking that uh, well enough to make it exposed to the external community?
2: Right, so most of the projects that start out at Facebook, right, start out as a from a need that we have internally. Obviously, we want to make sure that you know the stuff that were the apps and the and the projects that we're shipping are being used. You know, you know, have the appropriate quality and and use from the projects that we have that you know they ship well. But we try to I think we try to design our projects in such a way that we. Try to reduce the coupling as, as much as possible through various mechanisms on how we ship our code externally, through how we actually, you know, design, you know, configuration files and, and, and those sorts of things so that we can easily ship the code out and it could be used by the external community. But we also have, you know, ways internally to actually, you know, utilize it for like optimizations that we need for our, our apps and those sorts of things.
0: Not to, to shift us back to the subject of controversy, but the, I do want to talk a little bit about this this thing in 2017 with WordPress. So there was this instance in 2017 where WordPress was evaluating what to use for its big refactor, and it was evaluating React JS, and then they were planning not to use it because of the patent risk. And then Facebook actually changed the license because of this, this kind of debate that, that rose up, and then WordPress actually changed course and used React, and I thought that was kind of a pivotal moment in Facebook's trajectory as an as a company moving towards open source. Can you describe what happened here?
3: Yeah, so I think there was, and this goes back to the point of the core of why you know licensing decisions really go back and 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 what what license to use and things like that really 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 go back to the core of why 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 companies do open source, right? And so. Facebook, to a large extent, does open source to sort of show leadership and, well, as, as Joel first mentioned, because we, we feel like we, we have a, we sort of, a lot of our initial technologies were built on the LAMP stack, and we feel like we have a debt to repay, repay and we want to do what's right by the community, and, and, and second of all, to also show leadership in the community. So, so our goals are very community-driven, and there are many more degrees of separation between those community-driven goals and our revenue goals. Right. And so we don't think about it in terms of revenue. So we, we think about open source, we care a lot more about what the community wants or what the community thinks and what the community believes than a lot of other companies out there who have to weigh that against their bottom line at the end of each quarter, at the end of each half, at the end of each year. Right. So so that, that's that's I think the preface. Right. And and we came up with a license that we thought was was actually beneficial for you know, without getting too much into the weeds we thought was beneficial to the ecosystem, the community didn't the community didn't agree. And in the end, as as we just mentioned, because we care a lot about what the community thinks, it didn't matter what we, we thought, right? We were going to relicense it because, you know, the community it started to become a blocker to adoption. And the whole reason we do open source is we, we try to sort of create we try to reduce blockers not increase them and so the uproar in the community got to a point where it started to get in the way of our central central reason why for doing open source which is why relicensing was a no brainer from our perspective and and since since that time we've we've also relicensed you know probably close to relicensing almost all the projects away from BSD plus patents because again we we're, we're optimizing for Sort of reducing blockers and, and not not increasing them, and, and in our opinion, we, we we thought that we thought that that's what we were doing with the BSD plus patents license. But but again, you know, it doesn't. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. We're here to to work with the community, and and that's that's what's required.
0: Kathy, some of your work at Google was on Android, and if I recall correctly, Android uh, was you know it's kind of a central component that is affected or potentially affected by this. Never-ending court battle between Google and Oracle. Was your perspective on software licensing and open source was that affected by your your experience? Um, I guess witnessing that that court case, or did you just not pay attention to it at all?
1: Frankly, I was on the engineering side, and I did not pay as much attention to it as I mentioned that makes before. Two, that makes
0: two of us. have never gone deep Engineers on
1: that. just want to get kind of our engineering work done and build the best kind of experience. And I kind of left that to my lawyer cat counterparts.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, me and my friends, lawyer nerds, we did show up at the trial, and we did show up the trial to kind of heckle one side. I'm sure you can guess which side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I guess we don't we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I don't know, Michael. Do you do you think that's has that had an impact on on how the world has seen uh, open source or how the software world has has shaped its opinions of open source?
3: The outcomes and the implications of the case are extraordinarily frightening to me, and it is because 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 it's such a long running saga. It's not something that I'm worried about on a day to day basis, but it is a cloud right that hangs over uh, open source right, and so I don't. To your question, I don't think it's I don't think it's a- affected because it's it's just it's been there for so long, I don't think it actively affects what we do or how the ecosystem works. But in terms of worrying about, you know, on the periphery, on the edges, when we're talking about corner cases about what kind of, you know, mm. what kind of bad actors could come out of the woodwork, this is this is definitely top on our list and, 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 and making sure that in and wondering whether the ecosystem is as safe as it as it could be, right? Mm. It's things like this that keep the more conservative companies from fully embracing open source. Mm. Because they're worried about, like, oh, what about this or what about that, and, and that's that's the biggest challenge. A lot of the biggest challenges that I have when I'm talking to my my counterparts at other companies is trying to trying to put their fears at rest, and it's it's a little bit harder to do that when you have you know scarier things like this that that are out there.
0: I mean, what are some other cases? Like, I can think of like Open SSL, maybe that. I mean, that was kind of a, a frightening moment.
3: You mean from a security vulnerability perspective?
0: I guess you know that was a poorly formed question. Maybe just yeah, from security vulnerability perspective, or like more broadly, like critiques of the of the open source world, or the vulnerabilities of the open source world, or what keeps you up at night. To the extent that open source software policy keeps you up at night,
3: I think a lot there's very lit. There's so little case law that I'm actually heartened by how little case law there is because if you think about someone having to go and litigate an open source of one of the core questions of open source from scratch, that's a very, very expensive case because somebody would have to go get experts on weigh in on all of these fundamental questions that no one has thought about and that that are not actually enshrined in law anywhere. They're they're mostly they're mostly reflected in norms of day-to-day practice. Right. And so The fact that there's so little law kind of, it contributes, on one hand, it contributes to the uncertainty, but on the other hand, it also contributes to the certainty because maybe no one wants, people are so afraid of litigating it that they just want to leave it alone. A
0: few final questions. This is kind of a far-flung question. I don't know how much either of you have thought about this. I'm heartened by the Facebook leadership's seriousness in which it approaches the the future of cryptocurrency and like opportunities to use blockchain technology, because I, I see obviously see a lot of opportunities. And I don't know if, if either of you have listened to the the Jack Dorsey podcast tour that he's been going on. He's very optimistic about how crypto uh, could affect social networking. And I think it could be a quite a good solution to a lot of the problems, uh, both in social networks and potentially in open source. Uh, do, do either of you have any speculations or visions for how cryptocurrency could affect open source policy?
1: I think this is a relatively new space and that uh, we're still looking into it. There's a lot of opportunity, as you've mentioned, but uh, there's also other considerations to think about. So I don't think there's really, you know, the industry is still developing.
3: Yeah. And and just just to give you an inside view, it's, it's a pretty secretive project. So we, we don't have... We don't have a lot of <laughs> a lot of first first hand information to share with you about that. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> no problem. But do you see? Like, I mean, ideas—just general ideas. Like you know, let's programmatically in, uh, incentivize people to work on open source software, for example, through some sort of currency.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely possible. I think we, yeah. we've had a lot of discussions, just like you know, on a Friday night at a beer about all the possibilities. I think. Um,
1: yeah, I don't yeah. think this is more
3: than speculation yeah. on our part. yeah, it's, so. we're just totally. we're just speculating. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Okay. I'll try to
0: get you, get you to speculate more in the future because <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting area of speculation. I agree with you. That's that's all we're at today, you know, as far as speculation. Yeah, um, one thing one
2: thing I'll one thing I'll just say to close that out is that I think blockchain in general has a lot more application than just cryptocurrency, right? I think totally. there's a whole there's possibilities of entire industries that can be affected by it. So,
0: Yeah, Yeah. completely agree. Facebook recently started a podcast around Facebook open source. Joel, tell me about the Facebook open source podcast and what are your goals with it? Yeah. So,
2: yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, We just launched, I think, March 11th or three, three, three and a half weeks ago. So basically, it's a podcast from the Facebook open source program office where we talk about, you know, the people, the projects and, you know, the community around them of just how Facebook open source works. So we launched our first four episodes talking about, Things from React React Native and how we manage their community, GraphQL and our move to the Linux Foundation there, how we actually run our open source program office in general. And um, there's also a uh, podcast around a language we developed called Reason as well. So you can learn about a lot of these projects. You can obviously subscribe at iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, or you can go to the diffpodcast.com and uh,
0: listen there and subscribe. Awesome. Well, any closing thoughts for for the listeners from either of you about open source software as it relates to Facebook?
1: I guess just a call to action and for folks to kind of review our open source projects, take a look. We, we love to grow our community and love community contributions. So any feedback on that kind of area, we'd love to hear it directly from you. And you can reach us via our Twitter uh, at,
2: at FB open source. Yeah.
1: And uh, as well as con- uh, connecting to the projects directly in GitHub.
2: Yeah, I'd like to add too. So, uh, so my role at Facebook is what they call developer advocate, right? That's similar to like developer evangelist or, or you know, different titles. So my I see my role as basically being a storyteller and and i really want to work hard to like try to come up with cohesive narratives around all the projects that we launch and as a developer advocate my role is to actually listen to the needs and you know wants of what the community is looking for in how they do day-to-day development and if i can recommend facebook open source projects to help them that's great if i can't then i might recommend something else or i would actually come back into facebook and actually talk to talk to folks internally and say hey you know you know you've done really well with a certain project but hey we have some different needs that the community is asking for can we actually do something here to help them out yeah definitely we're very community focused and we uh definitely listen to their feedback
0: okay everyone well really good talking to you really interesting conversation appreciate you all coming on the show yeah thanks for having us jeff thanks jeff
1: thank you you. wow